God, we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done in this space. God, we thank you for your kingdom, for your solutions, for the picture that you give us on this day. God, we're aware that different political ideologies, one over the other, is gonna celebrate at the end of the day, but in this space and in this community, we celebrate your kingdom. We celebrate your principles that put all things in order. Where the sick become healed and where the broken become whole. And where those without, they find what they need. And where all, all are accepted at the foot of your cross. And we remember that in this moment, on this day, when there's a lot of things that will be happening in this day, in this space, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, and we ask for your daily bread in our lives. We take a moment and we adjust our hearts and we adjust our souls, and we say, give us only what you have for us today. And we will not hoard that and we will not try to stockpile like the Israelites did, but today we will take exactly the amount that you have for us, and we trust that that will be perfect, and tomorrow we will come back asking for more. But we thank you for inviting us to be a part of every answer to every question, the solution to every problem, and truly the hope of this world. And I ask that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer, amen. We get to talk about the kingdom, all right? We know we got some voting stuff going on. We know we've got political ideology. I told Jean I was gonna call her out. She's proudly wearing her I voted sticker. How about I come over there and you tell me who you voted for, right? Oh, we don't have a clear answer. We don't have a clear winner. We don't have a clear person that represents our ideology. Of course not, because that's not where the answer is. I've looked at both of the platforms. None of them line up perfectly to scripture and they're not supposed to. So nobody gets the moral high ground today on who's right and who's wrong. We're sinners at the foot of the cross in a community together asking for God to reveal his kingdom to us. And I get to come up here and in the midst of this, I get to thank you because you guys over the last three years have been a part of an incredible initiative where you guys have been a part of providing just under 47,000 meals. Do you understand? 47,000 meals while you are doling out thousands of dollars and giving thousands of hours to your future and your education and all the places that you are gonna go minister from the classroom to the marketplace, to the church, to missions all around the world. While you're investing in all of that, you've taken time, you've adjusted your life, you've adjusted your actions so that other people, people that you saw right there can eat. And the end of the story, at, well, at least at the end of this chapter, we are celebrating 10 million meals. 10 million meals that the story started right out of this chapel. And I'm not talking two or three years ago. I'm talking 13 years ago when a student heard God stirring, not just somebody up here, but God stirring something in their heart. And now we celebrate 10 million meals. And the reason why I'm so excited, really two things. One, I had a great cup of coffee. And so the caffeine's going, really, I can feel it percolating in me. It's awesome. But secondly, just yesterday, and I promise you this isn't, whoa, that's, that's higher than, just yesterday, 
Oh, y'all are waking up now. All right. Okay. Just yesterday, um, I got pictures back. We have a team in Southeast Asia, and they are over there doing some things. But here's a picture of them delivering some food. And this particular person, if you see him, he's really big. He's, a, he's actually a North Central alum. He's a business person, an entrepreneur down in Florida. But he's delivering some of the meals, meals that Venture is a part of delivering. And not only did they feed meals, here's the next picture. Again, yesterday, these four girls, they drove back with another Venture alum, that's Melody. They just got rescued. No, I'm not, ooh, I'm not lying to you. Literally, there was a man brokering their sale in the village, and Tim and Melody Skook said, not a chance, not on my watch and went over there, and now these girls who are being brokered to service men 30 to 50 times a day now woke up this morning in a Christian hostel, in an orphanage, whatever word you like to use, I don't know what's the best, because their mom, their mom prayed, needed an answer to prayer, because dad was going to broker them. Mom said, not a chance. We were an answer to prayer, because God cares about everybody. They drove three hours. They woke up this morning to a meal. They woke up to education. They woke up to discipleship. And you are a part of this story. You are a part of this story. Because you make a daily decision across Hope for Dinner and even beyond. Because you make the decision that political ideology is not going to be the solution, but the kingdom is the solution because you choose to continue to engage in this way. You are part of not only 10 million meals. And let me just do a side because I, I see Nan over there. It's, we're not just pouring a bunch of meals and going, oh, well, We'll feed you, we'll feed you, we'll feed you, we'll feed you. This group over here, they're actually investigating coming up with land for a, a church and a farm program where we will buy land, give them to the local church. They can farm, they can cultivate, they can feed, they can sell, they can be self-sustaining. If you go over there, you will not see a van or a building with the name Venture on it. We work through the local church right? Because that's what we learned right here through good practices because they have not only dignity, but their minds are fresh and full and ready to care for their own. So this is what you guys get to be a part of because somewhere in, bio, in the Bible, in Isaiah, it talks about feeding the hungry and freeing the oppressed. This is the kingdom, and it's great that you vote, and it's great that you make an informed decision about your vote, but it's far more important that after you leave that place, you carry the kingdom principles on a daily basis because you just don't know how incredibly awesome God's plan is for your life. And this is what we get to do, and, and uh, we get to celebrate 10 million meals, but I wanna tell you the story behind the story. There are some of you who are new to the Venture Story. I'm gonna do that really quickly, but there's always a story behind the story. Be, before we could celebrate 10 million meals, there was a missionary standing somewhere around here 13 years ago and talked about a need in South America. And three students decided they were gonna do something about it. And so they biked across the country and they raised X amount of dollars. And then the next year they biked across Europe and raised X amount of dollars. And then they got their friends to bike, hike, and run and speed it up over 13 years. Now we've raised over $13 million for missions. And that's a, that's a great story. But, but the real story is the story behind the story, what it takes on a daily basis to do this. What it took for a student, um, I'm gonna pretend that student is you, what's your name? Austin, Austin. you're a cross country runner, how's the year going? Going good, you guys are always rocking in cross country. And I should stop, because today, like I'm an alum 
I'm a past worker here, but I think I'm most proud to be an ex-soccer player. Uh, the soccer team, how about going to nationals? Well done, well done to the soccer team. You guys are awesome. Jake Smith, coach of the year, but I digress. Uh, anyway, what it took for Aaron Smith, one of our co-founders, he didn't just decide I'm gonna bike across the country. He had to decide that and then every day from then say, what does it take for me to actually make this happen? And it was a lot that made over spring break while everybody went down to Florida and worked on their tan. He was pumping gas at a gas station, tries to raise money to make this thing happen. When other people were raising their money over the summer for a new car or for new uh, sound equipment in their car, he sold his car to buy a bike. Aaron had to daily decide if he was gonna be committed to this big idea in how he lived on a daily basis. And this is what our community looks like. So Venture is a, is a community of people. We're bikers, hikers, and runners, but we're not bikers, hikers, and runners first. We're people committed to the kingdom. And we're average ordinary people that never ran a 5K, and then because we wanna to respond to the gospel, all of a sudden we're running across the state. Because we believe in this idea of daily dying to ourselves on behalf of other people. Because we believe in this idea that we have been given much and we see the world and we see scripture and we see this call to respond to these needs and that means we have to give up our place of comfort on behalf of other people. Radical generosity doesn't become radical generosity unless we're willing to live radically sacrificial lives. And we can all shake our heads and feel bad about what's going on over there, but it takes work. The story behind the story is the daily decisions that we make to pull something like this off. So we, we're a community of people that never thought that they could bike across the country, and then they make it happen. Getting up day after day when the regions of our body south of the equator are super sore and don't want to get on a bike again. We're people that run across states. We're people that, that say, even though I might not be an incredible athlete or an athlete at all, I'm willing to do something. And I wanna encourage you, if that, if that interests you, if something inside of you, maybe you've heard me a couple of years now and you're like, ah, maybe, maybe this is your year to do something like that. To practice what it takes to go from feeling deeply and feeling like something's a great story and starting to make it your story by making a daily decision. I love the story behind the story. It's one of the reasons why I love venture, but um, there are a lot of great stories in scripture and one of them that I like is David and Goliath, and, and to share, to try to come up with the story of David and Goliath, and come up with some nuanced idea that's new to you, ah, that's really difficult. Or come up with something that the professors have never heard, that's a little bit ridiculous. So I'm just gonna spend a little bit of time talking to you about what comes to life to me about the David and Goliath story, this story behind the story. And for those of you who wanna follow along my ad-lib narrative, you can look in 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath, and what we see is a battle setting up, and there's the Israelites versus the Philistines, and they are on either side of a valley, and over the course of 40 days, they're both posturing, and if you've ever seen two bullies on a playground getting ready to fight, but neither of them really want to fight, this is what's going on, and they're both doing a lot of this, a lot of kind of trying to fake each other out, and nobody's really doing anything. For 40 straight days, this is happening. And then David comes along, and we picture him as a slightly smaller person, and he's got his food that his dad asked him to bring to his three older brothers. And over the course, he says, wait, what's going on here? And as he recognizes that there is an injustice happening, as he recognizes that the name of his God is being um, called into question, he says, I will do something about it. Takes uh, sl a sling and some rocks, and jacks the 
the giant cuts off his head and wins, right? We all love, we're, we're predispositioned to be about winning. We wanna, we wanna vote for the right person that wins. We wanna, we wanna go to the church that's winning. We wanna, we wanna cheer on our team that's winning. And, and we love the story that ends with the win and what's a better win than a, than a dripping skull in our hand. That's gross, right? But, but that's, that's the winning story. But the, but the story behind the story to me is, as I was reading it, I was, first of all, David is the young guy. He's the small guy. He had to learn a level of humility because his three older brothers, it says, make fun of him. Like, what are you doing here? His job was to care for the shepherd, which is, or the sheep, which is not a very glamorous job. And over the course of 40 days with some regularity, he's going back and forth and he's a messenger. He's a glorified Jimmy John's runner, right? I don't know if he was freaky fast, but you know, you're supposed to contextualize everything for people these days. And if you're a Jimmy John's person, thank you. I love the bony belt. No, that's a different one. I, anyway, uh, so, so here's what David's doing. So first of all, we, we know that he's, he's developing humility. I don't think, I don't know if he's super humble. In fact, he kind of mouths off when he actually gets his opportunity to step up. But we know he's practicing humility because he does what his father said. We know that he's obedient because he does what his father says. We know he's somewhat submissive because he does what his father said. Um, there's the story of David saying, hey, I can take the giant because I've killed the lion and the bear. And some people go deep and talk about that and how that developed him. But what I see there is not only just courage, but I see a lot of loyalty. Because if I look at my life compared to a sheep's life, I'm like, yeah, you know, take a sheep or two. I'm not going to get between a lion and a, or a lion, a bear, whatever, you know, big animal teeth, fill in the blank, Sasquatch. It doesn't really matter, but, but, but he was loyal to his dad's business, to his family's legacy, to the name, to his job. And he did his job so much so that he put himself in harm's way. So now we have somebody that's humble, somebody obedient, someone that's um, a servant, somebody that's loyal. And then he shows up and in the face of people making fun of him, stands up and goes, I see, when I see something wrong, I'm going to say it. She has the courage to speak out. And he says something. And even at that point, his brothers... His brothers are like, who do you think you are? Zip it, you know. I don't know what his nickname was, but I'm sure it wasn't like giant killer. It was something, you know, less than. But anyway, and, and then when he finally convinces Saul, Saul, who is probably the tallest guy, so in this narrative, Saul should have been, you know, the, the king should have been the guy, the tallest, the biggest to go up against the biggest. Instead is somebody that says, you can't talk about my God this way. And Saul says, well, at least wear my stuff. And he tries to put on his stuff and it doesn't work. And, and so we know that David is comfortable in his own identity. He's not cutting and pasting what someone else is doing. These are all the things that we, we can kind of assess who David is in this story. And in the end, he cuts off the giant's head and he says, the victory is for, for our God, right? And I, I love that story behind the story because so often we come up and the end of it is just, hey, you're young, you can change the world, you can do this. But we sometimes forget to tell people it's gonna be a long, long haul. Midway through the semester, it's going to be a long haul. And I'm not going to feel bad for you because you're midway through the semester. That's such a small little bit. You've made a covenantal contract with this institution to work hard. You've made a contract with this city to be a neighbor in this city. You have made a commitment to God to live out these kingdom principles. And so this is what we do. And how we carry those things out will determine what our big story becomes. The story behind the story is so important. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had Rosebell. I don't know if you guys remember Rosebell. How many were here when Rosebell was here? 
She was awesome, wasn't she? Rosabelle, we call Rosabelle, she's the one in the yellow there. We really do refer to her as our Mother Teresa because Rosabelle right now is responsible for um, handing out over 5,000 meals every single day. Now, we, we provide over 8,500 as venture, and she does over 5,000 just herself. And Rosabelle's story is pretty incredible. One of the things that she said when she was here and that she says often is she says, you must make time for the poor and the oppressed. You must make time. She emphasized that it's not necessarily easy. You don't wait for the warm fuzzies. You don't just read scripture and go, okay, we're gonna do this. It, it's a making of time. It's something intentional. It's something that's very difficult, actually. And her story behind that, the, she has the moral authority to talk about this. At four years old, Rosabelle, that was the last time she was fully in her mom's care. She was a refugee since she was in her mom's belly. She was going from camp to camp and place to place. Everything she owned could fit in a box, and in that box was all of her stuff that she had to pack up and move seven different times because her village burnt down or her specific place where she was sleeping burnt down seven different times, and the last time it took all of her worldly possessions. And one of the things, when she sat up here, she talked about her joy, and if you remember Rose Bell, she just had joy, right? She had this smile. She was so full of joy. That's a daily decision. That's a kingdom decision. Regardless of how you vote, some people are going to be cheering today. Some people are going to be sad to choose joy in the midst of this, and I don't mean fake happiness, but that's work. That's work. That's the story behind the story for Rosebell. And then as she got older, around 14, she would start going into other refugee camps and preaching the gospel because she said, this is what the Bible tells us to do. So she was just practicing. One of the craziest things as I was talking to her was she said, um, we, she was telling us this story. And we said, so when did you feel a call? She said, about age 16, I felt a call. That's when I truly became a Christian. And that kind of was like a knife in my heart. I'm like, wait, you were evangelizing in the refugee camps before you even really considered yourself a full-on Christian. Made me kind of check what I think a full-on Christian is. But at 16, she received what she felt was her call to be a missionary. She went to school. Um, she, uh, uh, and then as she was reading, she actually heard Brother Billy Graham do a message that says, the Bible tells you to care for the poor and the oppressed, so you need to open your home. So what did she do? She literally opened her home. And she took in a few young girls. She was a single lady at the time and she took in a few girls because this is what it means to do the daily work of the kingdom for her. And now she's responsible for feeding and providing nutrition for over 5,000 people because it starts with somebody daily saying, we must make time. Oh, and by the way, now, now Rosabelle, she didn't even tell you this, now Rosabelle is over all of women's ministries in all of Thailand. She's also over part of Burma in ministry and she makes time to feed those 5,000. That's what she does on Friday. You know, we picture it like she gives her whole life to the, that's, she makes time on Friday for this. This is just part of her life. And the kingdom, the kingdom invites us to live in such a way that we make time for the daily difficult things over and over again. What does it look like for us to live our story behind the story? Of course, we want the best for you. In higher education, uh, it was at partners dinner, um, by the way, doctor, where's Dr. Denton? You and your team did an incredible job at Partners honoring our great president. Um, man, it was incredible. And one of the things that uh, 
that was talked about there was in higher education, there's one thing that you have to believe. You have to believe in the next generation. You have to believe that the greatest stories are yet to be told. You have to believe that you, as I look at you, could do incredible things. We have to believe that you, if I can just encourage you to keep going day after day, your great might not be today, but it might be tomorrow or the next day or in 13 years, and we believe that so deeply, so much so that we encourage you, get in class, take the quiz, read your books, Treat one another with kindness. Don't sleep with one another. I mean, you can sleep, but that's Christian for have sex. Um, don't do those things. We believe in those things. We say them over and over. Some of the things that I'm saying you've heard over and over because we believe if you will continue on the path that has begun to be charted for you through Christ designed for you that you just don't know what incredible story will be revealed through you for his kingdom. The story behind the story is so incredibly important. My, um, I have a friend, his name is Dan Hunter, he's a pastor, and um, he would always say, a year from now, what will you thank yourself for starting? A year from now, what will you thank yourself for starting? And I would just say, a year from, your, a year from now, what will you thank yourself for not giving up? A year from now, what will you thank yourself for keep going? Who do you want to become? Keep taking steps that way. Because the kingdom is beautiful. The kingdom is our best answer. I'm gonna tippy-toe around a theological idea that I'm wrestling with. It is not hard to be saved. Anybody who calls on the name of Jesus and says I'm a sinner and asks for forgiveness, that's the easy part. The tough part is what you're doing today. Living it out, dying to self, practicing what radical generosity looks like, practicing what a sacrificial life looks like. When all of the messages tell you you must look better, you must be better, you must you, 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 better, 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 bigger, 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 whatever, to say no. There's a different set of principles and it's about radical sacrifice and it's something that the world is looking for, a group of people that will stay constantly in line with this new idea that Christ is our answer. And it's not a new idea. It's from the beginning of time. From the beginning. For those of you who may just have joined North Central, there was Adam and Eve. And this was God's original design and everything worked out. And then Adam and Eve sinned. And from that point on, the whole story is God coming to fix our situation. And so he sends Jesus to us. And Jesus keeps going, hey, I'm setting up a new way for you to see everything. I'm setting up this new way, this new beautiful way. And if we believe that, then we take steps towards it. And part of that is feeding the hungry and caring for the oppressed. And part of it is being an informed, conscientious voter. But more important than your vote, because at the end of the day, it's gonna be the big story for one of two candidates. More important than your vote is how you treat the person who votes differently than you. I'm not kidding you, and I know some of you just desperately wish that one of those candidates would really solve the problems. It's not the design. They're not supposed to solve the problems. We want them to. We want to latch on to them. We would vote, man, the Christian church would vote Bono in so fast because we want our rock superstar to be up there and represent us. You represent you. You represent the kingdom. You choose this day who you will serve. You are the answer for so many people to see the kingdom flowing through you. And what we do on a daily difficult basis is just as important, maybe even far more than what we do with our big story. The story behind the story. And that's why we do Hope for Dinner. Hope for Dinner 
is a simple invitation this week for you to practice giving up what's comfortable for you on behalf of other people. And if you eat in the cafeteria, all you have to do is say, instead of turkey cutlets, I don't know if you still have turkey cutlets, but that was a big deal at one point. Instead of pizza and turkey cutlets and Lucky Charms and Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I'm gonna just eat beans and rice. Not because you eating beans and rice saves people, but because we need a daily reminder of what it means to live sacrificially. And because people like Dr. Graham and Dr. Denton believe in this program and the, and the incredible generosity of Pioneer, Pioneer is gonna do all of the fiscal lifting for you. They're gonna give the difference. Every meal that you trade out over lunch, Pioneer is going to fund 20 meals. One to 20. Man, that's what we could do in this community and you saw what that food does, right? You saw the plan, you saw it just yesterday. Those four girls are sleeping in safety. Those four girls, the answer, prayers were answered for their mom. Discipleship is happening. If we choose on a daily basis, in one year, in two years, in three years, in 10 years, what will you thank yourself for starting today? What will you thank yourself for not giving up today? Because more than a vote or an election is how you treat one another. More than who your significant other is, it's how you treat the opposite sex today. More than your future ministry, your future book deal, your, your business that you're gonna start, your teacher of the year, your time person of the year, is how you treat people outside of this building today. Because those are the steps that we take. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because the kingdom is about all of us reminding one another what this thing looks like. It's not you being a superstar and doing it better than somebody else. It's us reminding one another that we are called and invited to be part of the hope. So this week we're gonna do Hope for Dinner. I'm gonna show you a video, give you two sentences, and then we're gonna let you go. Everybody stand with me real quick. Here's what I know. Some of you, some of you need to consider hopping on a bike and biking across the country with us. It's epic. That's some of you. We have a table set up. We'd love to talk with you about that. This is your summer. The second thing I know, you can be a part of hundreds of thousands of meals being provided on a tour. But everybody can be a part of 20 meals today. Each of you providing 20 meals. And so I want to invite you right now as your response. Sometimes we come forward, I mean, what, what uh, Dick Brogdon did a couple of last week was incredible, right? What Bill Svoboda, you got to come back tomorrow. Bill Svoboda is incredible. What he's going to do tomorrow, incredible. Today, today's about you living out the kingdom by simply taking in some rice and beans, by talking about what it looks like and reminding one another that we are called to live a life that is about sacrifice and generosity. It's about allowing God's daily bread to be taken in for you and knowing that Tomorrow, it will be there for you as well. I pray for you. I pray for the choices that you're making. I pray for the relationships that you're building, for the calling that you are desperately trying to follow, that you would have as much grace on yourself as God has on you, but you would also have as much grace on people who vote differently than you as God has on you. And I pray that the best days for North Central aren't ahead of us. They are right now. They are within your grasp. They are within the choices that you have that the kingdom of God is present. In his name, for his glory, amen. Go enjoy some beans and rice. <laughs>